Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Welcome to episode one, numero uno, the big cheese of There's This Thing at Work. And today you've asked our agony advisors, help, my team are uncomfortable having honest conversations. We've all been there, done that, and got the t-shirt on Radical Candor. Having a culture rooted in honest conversation makes working together, solving problems, and resolving conflict so much easier because it's a symptom of true psychological safety. And I don't know about you, but some of the moments I've been able to grow the most professionally and personally are when I've been given an honest truth from a deeply trusted friend or colleague. So this question's at the root of so much I love about culture ops, human vulnerability, professional ethics, and a bit of structural people ops too. So let's get stuck in. Let's do an intro team. Uh, Hit it off. Hi, I'm April Williams, a founder of Candid and also HR and talent consultant for startups and scale-ups in the tech world. Hi everyone, I'm Raj. I'm the founder and CEO of a learning and development platform called Learnably. In terms of the perspective that you can expect from me, it's one from a, from a founder perspective and I'm known to kind of make up my own rules and not conform and generally see the positive uh, in everyone and everything. I'll go next. I'm Tom Frain. I'm the Chief People Officer at Bulb. I guess I'm a bit of a people all-rounder. I've worked in the public sector and the private sector. I've worked for big multinational companies and for a 10-person startup, um, and in the UK, the US, and in Europe. So um, hopefully I bring a ton of different experiences to this conversation. Nice. And I am Jess. I'm VP People at Whereby, and I'm a strategic people leader who bops the status quo right in the snout. So let's get started, team. What a great question. Uh, My team are uncomfortable having honest conversations. I think a good place to start is like, what's everyone's opinion on honesty at work anyway? Do we think it's the best policy? Do we agree that there's some kind of balance between restraint and being super direct? Oh, that's a good one. I love the awkward silence. <laughs> that goes Just start talking on the top of each other. If we want to be honest, <laughs> honesty is I prefer podcasts where people are just going for it. Yeah, so. I, I guess that silence just um, really highlights that really having an honest conversation is not a natural thing that comes to all of us. Um, for me, I think honesty is the best policy but it depends on what you're being honest about and how you go about um, having those conversations, right? So if you're being honest, but you're not using the right language or you're doing it um, to not get a really good response, then it's not doing any good and it's actually a detriment to any relationship that you have within the business. Um, So yeah, I think for me, it really depends on the conversation that you're having. Yeah. I guess I think I probably apply the same principles in my personal life to at work. I'm a relatively diplomatic person. Uh, and so I think I probably, when I was younger, was not honest about a lot of stuff. Um, and as I've got older, 
and realize the power of being honest. I'm loads more honest, but I still try and do it in a way that is diplomatic. I, I feel like uh, a message well received and properly heard is much more likely to then be like acted on and have an impact. Um, so for me, it's like honesty within a within a diplomatic package. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, Tom. So it's obviously really hard to be honest or at least speak your mind the whole time. But I think it really depends on the context uh, of like, what is it? Is it, uh, firstly, it needs to come from a place of, um, uh, that you really want the best in people and, and that the other person needs to feel kind of secure and depends on the rapport you have with the person you're kind of talking to. Uh, is it a kind of a personal bit of feedback or uh, something you want to say about them personally or is it something professionally? Uh, and that obviously frames my approach to um, how I kind of deliver that, that, that message that I want to kind of give them. Uh, it is hard though. It's definitely hard. But overall, I would say yes, honesty is always the best policy, particularly if you've obviously got the best interests of the person um, at heart. I think there's also like, there's, there's honesty as in just being like super direct to someone and saying something. And then there's honesty as in not lying. And I think hopefully we all agree that like not lying is definitely on the spectrum of we don't want to be just saying white lies because people want to hear them. Um, but then there's this kind of the muddy area, which I, I, I think this question is getting to the heart of, which is how, what's the balance between restraint, directness, directness, being comfortable, speaking your mind, uh, about something that is a truth, right? And that's that's the honesty we're trying to get at. Do we think that's fair? I think our jobs is getting managers and their teams and organizations in general to have more honest conversations, right? And like loads of managers who are not that experienced or not themselves that confident um, are sometimes really cautious about having those kind of conversations. And those interactions where you can help them understand the impact of them not having that honest conversation and the impact of that on them and, and their own performance, but also the impact of that on the individual that they're not giving the right message to. Like when you have those like epiphany moments with managers, that I think is some of the most valuable work that we can do. I think it also depends yeah. on the kind of culture of the, the, the business though. So what's really at stake, right? What's holding you back from having that honest conversation? Often it's the fear of failure. It's a fear of looking bad. And I suppose it depends on does the company celebrate that? Does the company kind of uh, kind of encourage you to kind of have those conversations? And for managers, it's really about helping model that behavior, sharing themselves and being as honest as, as they can and talk about their own Kind of vulnerabilities and, and fears in order to make someone else to be comfortable with with um, speaking freely, what's and all. I think is a, is a, is a two way thing, right? So, um, like what Tom was mentioning in terms of that relationship between line manager and and employee. I think when it comes to line managers, training is a big thing. One, um, how to start having those conversations, and also. How do you break it up? So, for example, if a line manager is having a one-to-one with with their team or an individual, um, how do you allow that conversation to breathe? You know, is there is there a clear relationship where you're able to be honest and you're open to feedback? And also understanding that honesty doesn't mean that you're being critical. It it's nothing to do with it being negative or positive. It's just 
you sharing your perception on something. I don't know what you guys think, but there's a like, there's a moment where uh, often if people are not being honest with each other, they both know. Yes. And like if a manager is not telling, if a manager is holding on to some feedback that they're not sharing with their team, team member or the other way around, usually they both know. And if you can just help them like have that conversation, so long as it goes well, like the air is, the air is cleared and everybody feels a sense of relief. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think there's something in the, uh, there is like a managed honesty, right? Like a part of our job is to help people realize where, what is the difference between just blurting out what you think about something without really like being considered about what that means. And where is like, no one I think ever is really fully honest. I think you need to be, I need to be, you need to be a little bit restrained and a little bit thoughtful. Otherwise it would just be this kind of like, you know, all bets are off. Let's just say everything we think constantly, which is like not a workplace I would want to be in either way. So we, we, our job is to kind of like navigate that, navigate, I should say, that gray area between managed honesty that's impactful and important and kind of brutal <laughs> feedback um, that uh, makes people feel hurt or isolated. So um, has anyone got any good examples, I guess, about like what good looks like in terms of navigating that middle ground? Like when's an example you've seen someone kind of hit the nail on the head of like, caring feedback I guess radical candor right like we're just talking about radical candor I'm trying not to use the word because it's such a buzzword that drives me nuts but has anyone seen it really really work Hmm. I remember working with a sales team a while ago who did a an exercise with the British Olympic rowing team who do like motivational um they do like you know motivational leadership sessions and they said that one of the big things that helped them succeed as a team was realizing that any feedback was valid so long as it helped the boat go faster. Um, and That's so nice. like it, you know, if, if you needed to tell the person on the team that they were not like, I don't know, pulling the oar hard enough or they were not like <laughs> training in the right spirit. Right yeah. What, yeah, exactly. I ha- yeah, exactly. Um, then so long as it was in the spirit of making the boat go faster, it was much more important that it got said. Than it, Sportsman, it said. right here. And so for a little while after attending that course, uh, that whole team was really good at having like, let's make the boat go faster conversations. And like, having something, having a sort of a metaphor or something to connect it to, making sure that those conversations were all happening in the right spirit were um, was really important, I think, to helping them be more honest with each other. Hmm. I love that. What is what is that in business though? What's the what's the boat going faster? Is it just is it achieving your OKRs, getting better revenue, having a more psychologically safe team? How do you translate that? I think it's actually it's a combination of all of those, right? And the, um, everything underpinning it, it is psychological safety, as you said. So ultimately, and I go back to the point of like what's at stake here. So we're all in this together, particularly, you know, it's it's stressful, it's crazy working in a in a startup or a scale-up environment. Mistakes are going to be made, things are not going to go to plan. And I think it's about as leaders in the company, how vulnerable are you? How much are you open to kind of feedback yourself? How much are then you and also not just kind of being honest and when something's going wrong, but being generous with your praise and recognition too. So actually, if you're actually balanced with it and, and you recognize things that, that you think are great, and then you're also picking out things that you think could be improved, 
then obviously the person you're speaking to will, will say, yeah, they're not always trying to pick flaws in me. They, 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 this is a very balanced person. I think it's important that we remember to also recognize good behavior or things that you, you want to encourage more just as much as you would saying when something doesn't go well. Yeah, I think also just to go off um, Raj's point, I think repercussion as well is something that is always at the back of everyone's mind when you're about to give honest feedback. It's if I'm about to give this feedback to somebody, what are the repercussions for me, my role um, and my job security? And I think if we want to have these honest conversations in, in the business, then it really comes from the top leadership. Um, being able to be honest. And when it, when I say being honest, it's, it's like you said, Raj, being a little bit vulnerable um, and sharing enough information that people can understand where you're going with the business and what, you know, if you're setting up objectives, what do they mean for everybody? So when someone's coming yeah. back to give you feedback, they know that, okay, I know how to align myself. And sometimes people, when they want to be honest, are just being honest about anything and everything and there's an emotional side and there's a factual side so I think when you're yeah. coming to giving um honest feedback it's understanding is this an emotional response to something or is this a logical response to something and this goes back to Tom's analogy in his example is like is that going to help the boat move faster or am mm. I just roughing some feathers here because I want to get something off my chest because I feel like yeah. I'm being candid and I must do because it's part of our values <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think there's an there's also an interesting point you said there before, which is like part of it is a fear of repercussion, right? And some some things are totally within our realm of um, our job to correct that and make people feel like they're not going to have repercussion. But also when you bring someone into your team, you're inheriting a full human with a whole host of years of experience in their background. And it is bloody hard to convince someone that they're not going to be repercussions in their current job if they've had... 25 years of being told, don't be honest. So how do you as a as a leader, as a peer, as a friend, as a colleague, teach someone to ignore 25 years of their history or 30 years or 40 years or however many years it is um, that's told them being honest, being honest can be scary and you can get slapped on the wrist or you can get kicked out of a company or you can get outed by the team and help them realize like it, it's got to be different here. Because sometimes you only have two months to teach a person that. Like, that's a big challenge, right? Yeah. And I think for me, um, in adv- so I worked in advertising many years ago. And it God has helped us all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if anyone knows about advertising, they can just say what they want, how they want. And, you know, and no one really stops them but when it came to when it came to trying to get them to understand like look guys you may be giving some honest feedback here but think about the language and think about how you're structuring it and I think that's what helped my team especially understand that if you're going to give feedback one understand is if it's emotional then that's a different conversation but if it's logical then what are the words that you can use and how do you structure that So it's saying, look, I want to have a conversation with you about X, so outlining the subject, giving context around it, and then you can finish off by saying, in my opinion, I feel X, Y, Z. So not addressing the person and saying it's particularly them, you're addressing the subject, then you're outlining the facts around it, and then you're ending it with saying, by the way, I've said the facts, but this is my opinion and I'm happy for us to have this conversation to see how we could get to the end result. 
Um, so that helped a couple of advertising guys really narrow how they could um, give honest feedback to each other and get some real good stuff out the door than saying, well, that's F. Well, if it's F, <laughs> why is it F? It's F because it hasn't met the client's brief. Um, and by not meeting the client's brief, this is the repercussions. In my opinion, I think we can do X, Y, Z, right? And that was an easier way to have that honest conversation in that kind of industry. <laughs> I worked at Innocent for a, a, a while and we have, were really friendly, like super polite, non-confrontational culture. It was like, you know, lovely. Um, but we wanted to try and help our leadership team be a bit more direct with each other. And we did this exercise. Um, and I, I Googled it to try and see if I can if I can get back to it. I can't, but we, we called it Conversation A and Conversation B. Um, and what we did with, um, with the leaders was get them to role play a conversation with each other where they tried to give one another feedback and write down what they said. Um, and that was Conversation A. And then we got them to think about what they actually meant and to write down in Conversation B like actually what they meant when they had that conversation and what the other person meant when they were responding to them. And it was a really good exercise for getting people to think about what the like direct, honest truth was underneath this like diplomatic, um, it, within this like diplomatic packaging that we talked about. And then you could, you know, as a, as a people person in that organization that you could then go to the managers and, and be like, right, but so what's the conversation be here? You know, like, what are you actually trying to say to this person? And how do we close the gap between between how you're packaging it and, and what you actually want to say? I like that. In, in, in that scenario, Tom, how did you guys get to a point where conversation B became conversation A? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think part of, part of the safety of conversation B, like, conversation B is what Jeff Jess was talking about at the start. You, you can be Jeff from now on. Fine. <laughs> what Jess was talking about at the start, which is like you don't want to live in this completely unfiltered, yeah, like hyper, hyper honest world. But in understanding what you in understanding what you really want to say, you can then think about what's the least amount of packaging you can give it so that that message can get across. And the other thing that was really useful about that exercise was they were also doing conversation B about what the person said back to them. Yeah. Mm, so perception reality type thing. Yeah, trying to read into like what they're saying and think about what they what they actually mean. And you get all these conversations which are like, oh, I'm slightly concerned about your performance. And then the other person saying, well, you know, I think actually I've um I've done all of these things as evidence to that. But the conversation that's actually going on underneath is like, I'm not sure that you're that you have the level of capability that you need to do your job. And the person saying, Well, I'm a bit I'm I'm quite frightened about the implications of that and like understanding that that's the that that's mm. the true conversation um can be really helpful yeah reading between the lines that sounds like right yeah, yeah. exactly Love and you that. have to be careful because you obviously in doing that exercise bring all of your own biases and like miss potential misinterpretations but it's a it's just an interesting tool yeah i think it's interesting though like so much of what our jobs are is about helping bridge context gaps between people's experiences, right? And that could be because they've got very different cultural backgrounds, different family backgrounds, different education levels. And the more and more we encourage diversity, which is a bloody great thing, the more these will be kind of challenges at the forefront of what we do. I mean, just an example for me is like, I'm Australian. I have no problem swearing in every single conversation I have, but sometimes British people can find that like, is she 
angry. No, I'm not angry. I'm just fucking excited, man. Like that's the difference between a cultural thing. And like, sometimes that can have a really big impact on how someone receives feedback from me. Um, and that exercise sounds like that's a really useful tool in kind of bridging some of that cultural divide and honesty too, because different cultures have different perspectives on honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, just building on that, I think it's about taking that one step further. So one of our values, we, we call it invite everyone to dance. It's basically diversity and inclusion, but what we, it's actually focusing more on the inclusion part of it, where we recognize the need to have diversity in all senses of the, of the word, and it, as well as diversity of thought. Uh, but it's about how you make those people feel valued and actually invite them to the dance. Actually, rather than standing on the sidelines of just being a member of your company, bring them in and get them involved. And I think uh, where you can encourage that that behaviour, make people feel comfortable, because actually if they feel that they are an outlier and their approach is a bit, they're a bit too honest and that, that may not go down well, it's about you know, recognising that and, and, and encouraging that kind of behaviour so they feel comfortable to be their true selves at work. Mm. yeah and I think going back to Jess's point quickly about diversity and inclusion I'm, I'm a big champion on that um as a woman sometimes I've been told I come across very um boisterous uh, and a bit <laughs> a bit bossy Nice little, nice little cloaked compliment there, I'm yeah. sure. I, I love the way I'm even saying it, like, bossy. Like, you know, just dialing it down a little bit. Um, but I, I've been in situations where I have to give feedback, not have to, but in a position where I want to give feedback to uh, senior leadership who have been male. And, you know, I've been in a position where I've almost had to really analyse what I'm about to say and how that comes across and thinking about is it going to come across that I'm just being emotional or is it going to come across I'm just being too bossy and trying to um kind of let them know that I'm also in the room so I guess that's a question for all of us like have you guys experienced that where it's been a gender difference in terms of having to communicate and how have you guys kind of coached your teams in that I mean as a young woman I've experienced lots of patronizing responses to feedback in the past um but I think this is a great question I'd love to hear Raj and Tom's opinion on it like how do you really diagnose what's stopping a team from being honest is it is it something to do with their background is it something to do with the psychological safety and the structures of the team how do you figure that out yeah I think I want to come back to the point about gender communication in a sec um on the I think inherent in this question that we've got about my team isn't having honest conversations is the diagnosis bit about where that is happening. Because sometimes you have teams that are really confident to be um, to be honest with one another. In fact, they're, they're really honest with one another, like outside of work about how bad things are, but then they don't want to have those conversations when they get together in a room or they don't want to have them in front of their manager. Or some teams can be really honest collectively, but then struggle to be honest individually. So it's definitely thinking about all those different dynamics and working out where the disconnect is, I think is a really important first step. And I think also it's about giving people multiple forums from which they can voice their opinions. So it's not necessary. It, it, you, can ha- you can take kind of baby steps towards more honesty. And the first step could be some anonymous feedback system. So, you know, we, we do that with our employee engagement tool where you can ask people for feedback that it's anonymous, but then, I will read everything and then respond to that 
whoever it is sent it saying, you know, please do discuss this with me further if I can help or whoever. Like if I'm your manager, let's discuss it one to one if you feel comfortable. And then sometimes they would then choose to then come back and respond say, oh, this was from me and this is why. And similarly, when I'm giving feedback in a kind of a 360 process, um, I'm I even though it's it's actually optional, it's it's actually defaulted to be anonymous. I actually put my name there. So like. I'm wanting to give you, I want you to know this is from me and I want you to come back to me if you want to discuss this kind of further. So I think not everyone is going to feel comfortable, particularly if it's with a manager or someone more senior, to have that face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Find other avenues, whether it be through other kind of tools in your business where you can solicit that kind of feedback and, and behaviour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to like jump in on her point about um, like That's gender it. communications because... I've had a a very odd experience as I've become more senior working in people, which is I've gone from working in teams that are predominantly women um, Mm. to working in teams that are predominantly men. That probably also comes from, so that's a shift from being in a people team to being in a leadership team. Yuck. I hate that. That's the thing that you had to say, but I've, yeah. Yeah. Like my first, my first ever team, um, a recruiting team that I worked for in a, in a big bank was 25 women and me. I remember walking into the room for a meeting and one of the people in the room said, well, which of us is Tom marrying? And I, the 21 year old me felt like intensely, intensely. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry that happened to you. No, it was, um, it was, it was clearly, clearly a joke. Um, and, but anyway, the, uh, as I've become more senior and also I guess as I've moved into tech teams have become more gender balanced. And then as you're a leader more, um, even more, kind of male dominated the bit that I realized is early in my career working in teams of women I learned some relatively feminized ways of communication um I do things like checking in to make sure whether what I've said makes sense particularly if I'm delivering a um, difficult message it was only like a couple of years ago that I realized that that's a feminized communication pattern so April I guess I might have the opposite to you um in that I sometimes get feedback that I may be too soft in my communications because it, it is different to like the to the typical stereotype for for a guy. Yeah, cool. So one thing I suppose I just to jump in, uh, going back to the question about you know is honesty always the best policy? I think as a founder and CEO, the area that I struggle with the most is is not necessarily, it's kind of a blend between honesty and transparency. And it's, and it's mainly around, you know, it's kind of how much runway if you got in the company, right? So as a founder or, or, or a leadership team, you're kind of probably comfortable with um, knowing that you're constantly running out of money and you're constantly on this kind of fundraising kind of journey. Now that going back to kind of the thing of honesty is like, how honest are you going to be with people? Because not everyone is comfortable with that level of ambiguity and uncertainty. And so... My philosophy around this is if anyone ever asks, I'm always transparent. Okay, this is this is what our current runway is up until, but I'm not necessarily going to volunteer that information proactively because I recognize that that is massively um, disconcerting for a lot of people. They, they just want to know that everything is fine at all times. And so this is just something when I read this question and I was thinking about myself and my own experiences, that's one area where I don't think it's being dishonest. It's just about not necessarily proactively sharing every single bit of information but if you come and ask me I'll tell you the answer so that was just uh, a slightly different um, perspective I thought I'd just throw into the mix 
I think that's a really good point, especially I'm a massive fan of building cultures that aren't rooted in like maternalism or paternalism where you're not like babying grown adults like, oh, I'm going to keep the runway numbers from you because God forbid you realize that we might have to do some fundraising in a year. Like that's not, I think that's not going to build this culture of psychological safety and transparency. Um, So you need to make lots of really cautious decisions as a leader about what stuff you're open with, what stuff you're closed with, where you're honest, where you're transparent, what that means to you. How do you, like as a CEO, how do you figure out like what is my policy to this? How do I approach this authentically as a leader? Yeah, so I try and do as much as I can to be on the side of, of transparent and honest. So one thing, so for example, this Friday, uh, we have um, a session where I'm doing an open 360. So basically I've collated all of the 360 feedback we've received from everyone. And I'm the only person in the company that asks for feedback from everyone in the business. And then I'm sharing it all with everyone verbatim. So I'm kind of grouping everything that I've heard and then reflecting back of like, this is what you said. And this is what you said about me last year. And this is what you said about me now. What have I done since that time to try? And where am I seeing repeat behaviors and and patterns that I need to work on? And obviously, as a learning and development company, it's really important that, you know, I walk the walk and I show that, you know, we all have areas to develop. So that's kind of one thing that, that... I do. I think, and the feedback I've received is that it's very, people actually look forward to that session. (laughs) I'm sure, do you as well though? You look forward to it as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I, I genuinely feel that it makes a huge difference and people then feel a lot more comfortable sharing. Uh, And we do obviously 360, we do twice a year, but as I mentioned, even during the, in our uh, employee engagement surveys, I will kind of respond to people, um, I will share kind of any learnings or failures that I've had. If I've approached something and it hasn't worked out, I'll, I'll happily kind of share that um, in our Friday kind of meetings. I think it's really about kind of modelling that behaviour and saying to everyone that, look, we're all on this journey together. Uh, we all have areas of, of development uh, and none of us, and everyone should feel comfortable to, to kind of share that uh, so that's kind of how I've that's just kind of one example uh, how I've approached that I think has been the most impactful way uh, yeah that's so interesting because one of the problems I've always seen with 360 feedback is that people really struggle to give challenging critical constructive feedback you look at lots of 360s and they're full of like really great supportive positive stuff but because it's takes more time to think about and is harder to package well and um, and you don't necessarily get a reward for providing it. I often feel like people struggle to provide the constructive stuff. So I think you role modeling, like this is why constructive stuff is really useful. Here's how I use it. And this is why it's worth you taking the time to give it, I think is such a great way of um, of shifting that perspective. And this whole week has been in the run up to Friday. We you know we run a session, we've done a lunch and learn about how to give feedback about, you know, the purpose of kind of 360s. And it, it's been a progression and, and our team has got, grown quite a bit over the past kind of few months. There's a, a bunch of people that have never experienced the open 360 uh, kind of idea. And then the other thing that was uh, on top of that is that other senior leaders have decided to now adopt this themselves. So other people have said, you know, I'd quite like to share my feedback and they'll do it with their team. And I think if other, if other kind of managers can, can take a similar approach, 
that I think definitely generates a lot more of that psychological safety. And as you say, Tom, it's why should I bother? Like, what's the output of me giving you the feedback? But so by sharing it back, you kind of show people this is why it's really important. I love that. I think there's something. The I feel like the word performative is a, is a, the one of the biggest words that's going to come out of 2020. That for me, anyway, in terms of things I've learned and. I've seen so many businesses in my past, either working with them as a consultant or being inside the walls, where they've said, we have this massive uh, value approach to feedback and transparency and honesty. And then when you get in there, you realize that they don't really believe in honesty. They like the idea of it because it helps recruit people. But, oh, God, if we had to be really honest, wouldn't that be uncomfortable? So let's not. Um, And I feel like what you've done there is a great example of, like, stripping away performative honesty and just letting people be pretty open. Um, What other tips and tricks team do you have um, to help either figure out what the underlying red flag is with reasons that people aren't honest? Like maybe it's a performative thing. Maybe it's like a lack of psychological safety. Maybe there's no tools. Like how do you figure out what other symptom there is causing this? I think for me here, um, I've seen it quite a lot in terms of relationship with line managers. So where mm-hmm. an individual has a really good relationship with their line manager, um, and then you've got the polar opposite where they don't have a really good relationship with their line manager. Either way, on the end of the scale, um, it's hard to give feedback because there is that fear of, like I said before, that repercussion. And also the idea that if your relationship with your manager go, is is really you know, it's really good, if you give this feedback, is that going to now have an impact on your relationship? Is that going to have an impact on how they support you? Um, and on the other side, if you don't have that good relationship with your manager, is that going to make it worse? Is that going to make you feel like now it's probably a time that you have to look for something else? Um, so I think that relationship with management is something that needs to be considered sometimes as well so yeah I think that for me is a preventative way that people give feedback and honest feedback I think it's loads easier if your problem is that the team is not talking honestly with one another collectively I think that's so much easier to fix than if individual conversations aren't happening to a high standard because you can get a team together and there are loads of like exercises and facilitation tools that you can use that get people comfortable as a group but ultimately, like you have to work one-on-one with individuals and managers. You can train them, but then they have to walk in that room um, without you there and they have to be brave enough to have that conversation. And um, it is much harder. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's why we've talked about training. That's why we've talked Raj, about setting an example from the top. Um, and I, I think people managers can play a really strong role in like coaching and challenging people as well to make sure they have those conversations nudging people to be bold and to be brave we used to talk about courageous conversations again at innocent uh trying to like rebrand difficult conversations into something a bit more kind of positive and aspirational so that you just walked into them with a more different mindset i really love that um i think 
I haven't met a single person for the last couple of years that hasn't read Radical Candor. So hopefully if you're out there listening to this podcast and you've asked us this question, you've already picked up a copy of Radical Candor. But what other resources are out there, team, that can help someone dealing with this challenge? Other tips, other tricks, other books, other podcasts, anything else you can recommend? Um, I recommend uh, the Brené Brown uh, TED Talk, another, another classic in the people ops world on vulnerability. I think that's a really great place to start. Um, Raj, do you have any useful tools on your Open 360? Anything you can share? A blog post maybe you could, I'm prescribing you to write. <laughs> well, it's a good idea. I should do, shouldn't I? And, I, and you will. You've inspired me to, to write something, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing that we do do is this thing called Empathy Guides. So it's like a guide to yourself. And in part, as part of that, we say everyone, every new joiner has one. It's like, you know, how do I like to receive feedback? When do I like to receive it? Uh, and so, you know, if you, if you want to say something, okay, this person prefers it written or verbal or they want it immediate or they want it during a one-to-one. I think it's really important that you understand the nuances behind how people operate. And so that's something that served us very well uh, internally. Um, for me, there's a book that I've read and I love it to pieces. It's called The Chimp Paradox. And it really helps you understand your chimp, which they describe as your emotional side, um, and you being human, which is the logical thinking side of you. Um, and that, for me, has really helped me, one, coach team my, my people teams in terms of um, how you can help someone build their confidence and having those conversations. But also as an individual, it's helped me to kind of self-reflection, that self-reflection piece on, right, is this my chimp trying to take over here? Or is this my human side? Um, and how you can have the balance between the two. So The Chimp Paradox is a really, really good book that I would recommend on that. I'm not going to direct people to any more books. I'm just going to say that the best thing you can do is practice. So like... You know, you do ton, you can do tons of reading, you do tons of research. That's really good to feel prepared, but it only it gets easier once you start doing it. And if each time you think about how do I stretch my comfort zone a little bit around how honest I can be, um, then you'll notice a big change over a series of conversations. Absolutely, could not agree with that more. Thanks, team. What a fun little jaunt into uh, kind of the darkness there and helping someone get through a really difficult people problem. I hope if you're out there listening, you have uh, found something useful in those gems of wisdom we scattered into the desert. Um, I would like to give a massive round of applause to Raj, April and Tom for joining me today on this podcast. Big thank you to Mel creeping in the background and Ben, of course, somewhere out there for producing today's episode. You're both wonderful. And to all of our excellent human beings listening along out there, hello, I've been Jess, your host today on There's This Thing at Work. See you next time.